The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Very interesting topic today. Let me start out with the buzzword, boom, What is she talking about? Oh, my goodness. I better explain this one. The exponential pace of technological innovation. That means things are happening fast, new things, exciting things. It is faster than ever. What is happening with all of this? It's leading to a world of, I'm going to introduce a new word, at least to me, templosion. T-E-M-P-L-O-S-I-O-N. It was a word coined by futurist Edie Wiener, who's the author of Future Think. What does this all mean? Well, very big things happen in increasingly compressed amounts of time. If you want to look online for this article, it's called Looking Look Into the Future with Edie Wiener, Three Big Trends to Monitor. Things are happening faster than ever, and they're big things. They're important. They're world-changing. So let's talk about this with regard to the world of finance. The pervasive impacts of this type of acceleration and digital transformation are going to be felt in every industry, every part of the world, every company, regardless of size. But let's focus on finance for today. Let's talk about artificial intelligence, virtual reality, smart machines. What? I put those in the same sentence with finance? Yes, I did. Soon, they will be playing a role in that very traditional, very non-trendy arena. So, Finance, step up to the plate, look into the mirror. You're going to need some new business models because you have to adopt and adapt to these disruptive technologies. They're happening. They're here. They're coming down the pike. They're knocking at your door. That's why I started with boom. Guess what? Wake up. We have a panel today who are coming back to us from a recent episode of our series called Financial Excellence with Game Changers. I was so intrigued by the conversation that I invited them to bring it here to our audience on our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Let me just tell you who's on the panel and then we'll get started. We're going to be welcoming Sam Parikh, P-A-R-I-K-H, Managing Director of the SAP Practice at Deloitte Consulting. And a shout out to all our friends at Deloitte. John Essig, Senior EPM Solution Director at Simplify, S-I-M-P-L-E-F-I, just so you know. And also welcoming back Karuna Mukherjee, Senior Director of Product Marketing in the Enterprise Performance Management. That's the EPM team at SAP. They were so good, so dynamic. I went to Karuna and I said, great topic. Lots more to talk about. What should we talk about next? And she said to me, Templosion. That's where we came, that's where it came from. So let me start off by introducing Sam Parikh with a quote he sent me 
from Med Jones. I'd never heard of Med Jones. Med Jones is an American economist and president of the International Institute of Management, a U.S.-based research organization. And here's what's important to all of you listening. Med, M-E-D Jones, is one of the few economists who predicted the economic crisis of 2007-2008 caused by the burst of the housing bubble. However, he advises investors against using his forecasts. He says, economic forecasting is unreliable and Wall Street is a casino. That's not the quote today. Here's the quote Sam has selected. Contrary to popular belief, transformation cannot be based on a single event, advice, book, or seminar. These things may lead to a new insight or even a temporary change. However, real transformation requires the formation of new thinking patterns and behavioral habits. That's from Mid Jones. Sam Parikh, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you today, Sam? Doing great. Thanks, Bonnie. Glad to be back. Oh, delighted. It was just a couple weeks ago, but I couldn't wait. This is so exciting, and I never <laughs> thought of finance as an exciting topic. Excuse me, my friends. So, Sam, are you a follower of Med Jones, and, and do you go against his recommendation? Do you follow his financial forecast, or do you just take it with, ah, that's what Med says, I'll, I'll use my own? What do you see? Well, I, I do follow Med Jones. Uh, you know, his ideas intrigue me. Now, when it comes to him saying Wall Street is a casino, having lost some money, I do agree with it. So, very conservative investor. But, but I think his, uh, his, his thoughts intrigue me. Right? And when I looked at his quote and when I read this, I think it was so appropriate in the context of the topic we have today, you know, the implosion, where things are happening fast. A few years ago, no one would have imagined this level of transformation, right? And when I read it, uh, it goes to, say, a couple of messages. One, uh, the factor of complacency that fits in, uh, and I think this, this quote argues against that. Like, we cannot be complacent after we have done one project, one initiative, or one step towards transformation. It's a continuous process, and, and it addresses that the mindset needs to change, right? Uh, a leader mm-hmm. needs to drive the people to change their mindset when thinking of the new world. And also a, a message to the leaders that it's a journey. Transformation is a journey. From going from point A to point B is a continuous journey, and and leaders have to visualize what's coming up next. So long answer maybe to your short question, but yes, I do mm-hmm. follow him. His quotes do intrigue me. Um, his advice, uh, just like every other financial advisor, I, I take it with, uh, with my own inputs. And a, and a grain of salt. By the way, uh, Med Jones went on record as saying that he tries to distance himself from the economic profession. He, he doesn't want anybody <laughs> taking his advice when it comes to gambling or betting, which I think he says are the uh, gambling and investing, excuse me, which are the same. Sam, before I let you go and, and introduce John Essig again, I just want to ask you the second part of this quote, new thinking patterns and behavioral habits. Now, I don't think we normally put those in the same sentence with digital transformation and business templotion. What's your thought of that? Do you agree with him as far as finance? You just can't give them a bunch of these disruptive tools and say, now go do something better and faster and bigger. They have to think differently. Do you agree with that, Sam? Yeah, actually, you know, I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. I mean, if you think about it, I've been in this business for the last at least 25 years, right? Uh, living in Silicon Valley, 
somebody would just, you know, uh, take me as an old dog. <laughs> but think about, I mean, what I have seen over a period of my career and the things have changed. I actually had to sit back and, and think differently. Think differently of every situation and how would I handle it. And digital transformation and the artificial intelligence that we'll talk about has actually expedited that process. Right Now I have to go beyond thinking routine. Now I have to know that a computer is capable of doing a whole lot of thinking for me. And therefore, now I need to think about how would I use that data? How would I use those insights in making my business decisions? The information that was not available to me before is now available to me and many others. You know, so therefore, the competitive landscape has changed. Right? And once again, need to start thinking differently. Need to start predicting behaviors um, you know, as opposed to just going forward, you know, and, and making the own decision. So I, I think, yeah, it is, it is a concept. I mean, it, and the concept applies to finance, uh, uh, just like uh, the concept of new innovations in engineering or in the, in the products. Thank you very much, Sam. Pleasure to have you back and glad to cross-pollinate the good information we got from the three of you on financial excellence over to here to our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Now let me welcome back John Essig, Senior EPM Solution Director at a company called Simplify with an F-I at the end. And John has sent us a quote from W. Edwards Deming, full name William Edwards Deming, lived from 1900 to 1993. He sure saw a lot of changes. He was an American engineer, statistician, professor, author, lecturer, and management consultant. You might say he was busy. And uh, Deming is the author of the book, The New Economics for Industry, Government, and Education, in which he championed the work of Walter Schuart, S-H-E-W-H-A-R-T, Schuart, including statistical process control, operational definitions, and what Deming called the Schuart cycle. And I won't go into any more work other than that. Here is the quote John has selected. It is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. Wow, I think that was tongue-in-cheek. John Essig, welcome back. How have you been the past couple of weeks, John? Pretty good, Bonnie. How have you? Uh, well, thank you very much for asking. I've been great. So happy to have the three of you back here with me on Coffee Break. So, John, are you a big fan of Deming or Deeming? How do you pronounce his name? Let's get down to the basics here. <laughs> I, I pronounce it, it Deming, but uh, I'm honestly not an expert in that area. You know, I tend to pick quotes more based off of what strikes me with the quote in relation to the topic and, and less based off the person which probably says something about my personality. Um, <laughs> I, don't think it, it I don't think it does at all. I think a lot of us just go, we'll put a keyword in, right? That's what I do when I'm looking for a quote. I put a couple of keywords of a phrase, and I go to wiki quotes or brainy quotes, mostly brainy quotes, I hope, and I find 20, 30, 500 quotes, and I source them until I find something. So I'm with you. I, I think it says something about expediency and willingness to have an open mind. you like that one, John? Yeah, absolutely. And this is a tongue-in-cheek quote, uh, and I like the approach to it because it's a lighthearted approach to what's really uh, a tough topic. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, Composion, the idea that product life cycles are shortening, that technology uh, is ever-changing, that employee tenure is increasingly, um, you know, diminishing, getting smaller. And for those of us out there thinking, 
you know, with all the changes out there, am I going to have a job in five years in my profession? Are my skills going to be relevant in two to five years, right? Um, so I think Templosion can be a little bit of a, of a scary topic. Um, but the core of Templosion is that fast change. So, you know, the way I look at this is as individuals, we need to be ever more adaptable. Um, and the way that we do that is by focusing on our core values, on our mission, and on our vision. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there in the market right now. Um, and people that are able to do that are going to be much better positioned to capitalize on it. Very good. Thank you, John. And I have a little, little piece of uh, trivia here, not so trivial about Deming. He is credited with the economic turnaround in Japan after the war. It's called the Japanese post-war economic miracle of 1950 to 1960s, where Japan rose from the ashes of war to start on the road to becoming the second largest economy in the world through the processes founded on ideas that Deming taught. Did you know that, John? Yeah, so he does know a thing or two about change. I, I did do that same research, and uh, it, made, it made me feel uh, feel better about it. <laughs> I'm happy you felt better. I'm glad we did the same research. Thank you, John. Pleasure to have you back. And now let's round out the panel with Karuna Mukherjee, Senior Director of Product Marketing in the Enterprise Performance Management Team, EPM at SAP. And Karuna has picked a quote from somebody very modern, very present, very here. If I said the following, let's see if anybody out there guesses, although we're not taking calls, but let's see. This person is 32 years old. His height, according to Wikipedia, is five foot seven. I have no idea, Karuna, why that's in his Wikipedia profile. He is worth $35.7 billion. Okay, he has three siblings. He graduated from Phillips Exeter Academy, Ardsley High School, Harvard University, and Mercy College. Okay, kids, his name is Mark Elliott Zuckerberg, known as Zuck. And he is an American programmer, an internet entrepreneur, philanthropist. He's the chairman, chief executive, and co-founder of the social networking website, Facebook. Oh, I have an update here. He is worth $51.2 billion as of this month, June 2016. Here is the quote Karuna has selected, and it actually goes back to, let me see here, goes back to uh, a talk that Zuckerberg gave back a couple of years ago in 2011, an interview at Y Combinator Startup School in Palo Alto, California. Here's the quote. The biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that is changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. Karuna, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for for picking such an interesting quote. Did you know that Wikipedia actually lists Mark Zuckerberg's height? Are you as surprised as I I am? Well, when you you mentioned, I looked it up. So, you know, my my initial thought that came to my mind was, you know, I may not be able to beat him in his net worth, but I can beat him in his height. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for turning that one around. And I can't. Oh dear, yes. Well, well, interesting. The net worth of thirty-five point seven billion was from last year, and now it's up to fifty-one point two billion as of as this I month. Said, I don't know whether I can beat that net worth in this lifetime, but regardless, I just want to know what. His, yeah, I, I uh, want to know what his stock portfolio looks like because <laughs> who was it who just we just talked about uh, the fact that Ned Jones said don't follow his investment advice, but I'd like to know what Zuckerberg is doing. Correct. So, Karuna, talk to me. Great quote. Are you a follower fan of? of uh, the not-so-tall one, Mr. Zuckerberg? Uh, <laughs> so, 
so you know so yes i you know kind of having you know living in the valley living probably 5 miles from you know from the facebook headquarters you know one tends do t- does tend to follow you know quotes and and you know articles uh, about entrepreneurs like him so what particularly caught my attention about the was the quote itself but in the forum in which he gave the quote you know for any of, any of us who are who's familiar with the y combinator i mean they really are the breeding ground for tech innovation right so a lot of very interesting companies you know like airbnb and dropbox and wepay have all basically come out of y combinator and they really are focused on on identifying these trends that are happening that you know who would have thought of right uh, you know who would have thought of of a facebook 10 years ago or just the concept of creating this this portal this this website where you can bring people together so to me that is really you know and i know i suggested the topic templosion right it's really about identifying those those way out trends as you know the who would have thought trends and then taking the risk to really go ahead with it right to really transform to really kind of just completely change the landscape uh, so that is why i chose the code both you know the, the person as well as the forum in which he gave it to me is very relevant of where we are today and we are seeing that happening in our industry you know while we are not creating a facebook you know we are coming up with new tools and new technologies that one would not have imagined we would have used in finance right there are collaboration technologies getting built into finance applications one never thought that you needed messaging in a finance app but it's happening um, so That's hence right. my reason for choosing the quote I appreciate that and and in my opening Karuna I mentioned all kinds of disruptive technologies and even I was surprised that we were going to be talking about these later in the show talking about uh, artificial intelligence virtual reality smart machines is finance ready for this the thinking part the thinking patterns the mentality of the people who've been in finance for a long long time Karuna are they ready for all this disruption or are they just sitting back and saying well, put your seatbelt on, kids. It's happening. We'd better go with the flow. What's their mindset? Can you just give us some insights? Yep. So, um, so are they ready? I think that's a yes and no question. You know, nobody is kind of waiting in line to adopt AI and VR in, in finance. However, the interest is there. Uh, you know, you just have to Google the topic virtual reality and CFOs and, and or finance, and you will get a lot of thought leaders, you know, whether it is from, you know software companies software giants like SAP or from companies like Deloitte we have thought leaders like you know people from Simplify those profile of people everybody is talking about it right and the onus is on us as people who either build products or who guide our customers to kind of be ready before them right we need to set the trend here we need to show them the value and that is when the customers will get ready that is when the adoption will get higher if you look from 2 years ago to where we are today there is a lot more adoption right uh, you know uh, for the first time ever to, at sapphire this year we had vr apps running to show to demonstrate the value of finance applications who would have thought 2 years ago that we would have you know oculus headsets on our show floors so so the trend is happening the change is happening and as i said it is for us people like us in the roles we play to really prepare our customers to adopt that change. 
thank you. And and by your appearing on the show today with Sam Parikh at Deloitte and John Essig from Simplify, we're sending that message out to listeners in business all over the world, Karuna, so that they can think very seriously because what company doesn't need a finance person, a finance team, a finance department, a CFO? So all of you entrepreneurs out there, get on board early and figure this out because you're getting a head start with this panel today. Now I'm going to give everybody a break, but before we go to break, we want to know what you're drinking, where are you calling from? You know the drill. Sam Parikh, where are you right now? What are you drinking during the show or what are you planning to drink in celebration of our Templosion conversation after the show? Sam? Two great questions. So I am in uh, <laughs> Oldham, Massachusetts at a client site today. Uh, probably from California to beautiful Boston. Uh, great weather here. And what I'm drinking right now is just a cup of latte, uh, which is uh, good for this time of the day. And what I plan to drink is just kind of an interesting thing. Right? Uh, I've been reading about this single malt scotch. And pardon if I bring uh, the drinks into the mix all the time. But this one is interesting because first time in the history of uh, single malt scotch, this is a Japanese whiskey that has that has won the prize of the world's best single malt. You know, normally, that that uh, that title goes to the most of the stuff from Scotland. So that's my my game plan. Is there a, a is there a brand? Well, that sounds like fun. What I see here, uh, five Japanese whiskeys you might want to get your hands on. There's actually a, a website called Decanta D E K A N T A dot com. Is there a brand to the one you're drinking? Your favorite? I lost the name, but it's uh, it starts with Y. Uh, I'll I'll look it up in a, in a minute. I will have to look it up. Let me see if I can get that quickly on the website. In the meantime, let's get rescued here from our single malt diversion here with John Essig. Where are you calling from and what's in your cup today, John? I am calling from Chicago, and uh, apparently I should be hanging out with Sam a little more often. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think I have a... I was going to say, I have a feeling. I have the website, but it's asking me if I'm over 21. It won't let me into the yeah. website. <laughs> but, by the way, it's, it's called Yamazaki. Yeah, yes, I just found that, but they, they gave me a, are you really over 21? And then they threw me out. So I guess I didn't pass the test. Thank you very much. So, John, other than hanging out with Sam and his single malt Japanese whiskey, what are you thinking about drinking? So I, I mentioned in our last show, um, you know, there's a, a drink named Fernet Branca which is a herbal aperitif that I like to enjoy after particularly, you know, larger meals. And that's something I'm, I'm still going strong with. But uh, something else that's been in my fridge quite a bit lately is those little San Pellegrino sparkling waters with the orange flavor to it. And then I think they add, you know, like a few scoops of sugar in it. But, you know, I, I gave away <laughs> drinking soda years ago. So this has been the way I've been occasionally treating myself lately so if anyone ever you know if anyone's a big fan of like orange soda i would uh highly suggest the you know they're like little cans with aluminum foil tops on them um san pellegrino orange flavor good stuff and 
And loaded with sugar, you said. Well, I think we're just going to let that one go and say yum. Uh, by the way, Fernet Branca, <laughs> Fernet, oh, I'm trying to find out about Fernet Branca, and they're also asking me if I'm of drinking age. This is such a nice group here. You're making me feel so young. Fernet Branca is an Italian digestive bitter liqueur with herbs made from 27 herbs, and it's historic. So going back to that one, I was very intrigued. So you're also recommending San Pellegrino, the little boxes, orange flavored. I'm just putting that down from my notes. Thank you very much, Sam. I feel refreshed already. Karuna, I can't ask you to top these gentlemen, but we've had some very interesting drinks so far. So what are you doing today? So, well, I'm drinking some good old-fashioned tea. It's been an early morning for me today. However, to add to the the color of alcoholic and and non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beverages... Uh, you know, it's summer, so I am big into infused water, uh, freshly infused water. So, you know, my favorite these days is um, is blackberries, strawberries with some mint, and I make it at home, and it's made fresh every day, and so the family enjoys it. I think it's a uh, – we don't do sodas uh, just like you, John, in our house, so this is a great way to get some flavored uh, water, a healthy version of a flavored water uh, going yeah. in the family. Yes. Um, I'm not a single mall person, but I, I am married to one, and we actually have a book sitting on our bars that says uh, the 100 best whiskeys to enjoy in the world. My husband is part of a club, uh, so we get shipments of whiskey every quarter from all over single malls. So, you know, you guys are welcome anytime. Wow. <laughs> <enjoy> that. <laughs> did, did you all three of you know this before we started this conversation, that you were all one way or another related to good whiskeys? Uh, Sam and John, did you know that Karuna had the book? Or at least her husband, I, you know... I got to say, you meet the nicest people here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. <laughs> and all we were talking about was coffee. Thank you all very much. Now I need a break. And I have, of course, you know, my cool, clear water in a cool, clear glass with a green straw today because it's beautiful and sunny here in New York, as it probably is for uh, Sam Perique here in Waltham, Mass. So I'm looking up the uh, up the coast here and smiling and waving at you. If you can see me here on the North Shore of Long Island, waving up at Sam in Waltham. I lived in Cambridge for many years. I know the area. So I have a green straw today. Today because we're talking about finance and green as money, and I'm just going to leave that one on the table. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're having too good a time here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, talking about a very serious but very exciting topic, Templosion technology and the future of finance. This is part two because my three esteemed panelists joined me a few weeks ago in the middle of May on the future of finance powered by technology part one on our financial excellence with Game Changers show. I invited them back because I knew we'd have a great conversation and they are proving me right. So today's topic again is Templosion technology and the future of finance. If you need any of that explained, just tweet to me at hashtag SAP radio and we'll make sure that our panelists Let's go into more detail, but we're having a great conversation. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Go take a drink of something fun, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. 
By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Indeed, let's get back. We just had a very good and interesting and refreshing coffee break, and now we're ready to buckle back down to business. Our topic today, Templosion Technology and the Future of Finance, Part 2. My special guests are Sam Parikh at Deloitte Consulting, John Essig at Simplify, and Karuna Mukherjee at SAP. And Sam Parikh has agreed very graciously to start the roundtable. Why not? And here's the topic we're going to kick this off with. And Sam told me in his notes before the show the following. A product of the field of research known as artificial intelligence, cognitive technologies have evolved and businesses are taking a new look at them because some have improved dramatically with impressive gains in computer vision, natural language processing, that's NLP, speech recognition, robotics, among others. And Sam is going to put this into the context of our conversation today about disruptive technologies and finance. Sam, please get us started. Absolutely. So, uh, Bonnie, I picked this topic in, in line with uh, our theme of the day, Templosion. What's happening these days and what's driving, you know, the users and the executives to expect that the things will go faster and faster all the time and will become more efficient is the, is the advances in the field of artificial intelligence. Where, where we are heading, and it can be called by any data. I mean, it can be called big data. It can be called insightful analytics. With your name, you call it. I think the idea is that where we are progressing with technology, and then I'll come to the finance, but where we are progressing with technology is the simple-looking tasks are being automated. More complex-looking tasks are in the process of getting automated and our computers and the technology is going at a place where they are, they are close to mimicking what the humans perceive. They are not there yet, but they are, they are moving in that direction really fast. And, and that's where I think the whole topic, whole notion of having artificial intelligence and more specifically the cognitive technologies are important. Cognitive technologies you know, so far we have seen advancements in cognitive technologies being deployed in the product area, you know, where where you're finding much smarter, much smarter computers or or finding an app that is, you know, that will sort of predict where you want to go next or something like Netflix, which will tell you what movie you should watch. You know, it's just like almost doing the thinking for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's coming, right? And, and then if you think 
step further in the world of finance where it comes into play is cognitive technologies are now capable of doing some predictive analysis. Think about a simple process like business planning and forecasting. You can deploy the cognitive technologies and have the computer evaluate a variety of factors, the market trends, consumer trends, historical trends, so on and so forth, and, and provide you with a suggestion on what the plans could look like. And I think this advancement has the, has the biggest possibility of impacting the world of finance. Uh, and, and it's there. And we'll have to start thinking differently. We'll have to change the mindset on how we mm-hmm. take the data and how to take the information. Thank you, Sam. Very, very interesting. I just wonder if this is scary for finance professionals. John Essig, love to get you weigh in here on AI, disruptive technologies, cognitive technology, changing mindsets, any or all of the above. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, Sam, you mentioned machine learning. Um, and when I think of predictive analytics, when I think of automated analytics, uh, the data mi- mining capabilities of some of the new cloud-based tools that are out there that are really wrapping that all together with financial planning and with analytics and delivering it in an interface that's much easier to consume. Um, you know, the barriers to entry for finance are, you know, eroding, right? It's much more accessible mm-hmm. to everyone. Um, you know, I might quibble with you a little bit on the, on the terminology of AI, uh, versus machine learning, but, you know, I think we're further out on, on AI. But, um, you know, I think there are some really cool capabilities out there. And, you know, I hear finance people asking much more about predictive now, much more about cloud applications. Um, you know, technology is becoming more and more a purview of the finance department and expectation of one of the core competencies. So there's a lot of cool technology out there, and the rate of adoption is uh, – is, is really speeding up. Um, you know, there are a couple other really interesting areas. You know, Karuna mentioned virtual reality, um, as well as even, like, augmented reality, which I think could um, have an impact on operational efficiencies, a big one. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, Templosion is, uh, you know, might, might sound like a little bit of a funny word, but I think it's an accurate description for, for what's going on right now. There's a lot of change. Thank you. And I'm looking at your notes before I welcome uh, Karuna in here. And uh, the, one of your comments, John, and your discussion points is change is being thrust more upon finance people. Finance is expected to be more technologically savvy than ever before. So that, that goes along with what you just said. Karuna, join us. Thoughts on AI? What do you call it? You know, so I am seeing a huge trend, right? AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. If you look at the last 15, 20 years, has has been used actually quite a lot in medical diagnosis, has been used in areas like fraud detection, you know, credit risk assessment was one of the first areas where it came up. So, you know, the, the, the adoption has been happening, and in the last five to six years, if you see, the ability for, for human to interact with machines, whether it's through Alexa that was launched last year by Amazon or, or Siri that came out, I would say, four years ago, Mm-hmm. It's happening, right? People are getting used to the idea of basically asking this virtual person a question and not only getting a response, but more importantly, trusting that response. 
so that consumerization has started it has started to happen in our personal life and I, I believe it is only a matter of time when it starts really seeping in at a deep level uh, into the into our business worlds as well and and finance being one of them it is really going to from from my perspective the way i view it you know you take out the cool factor you take out the matrix appeal it is really about redetermining and redefining what that work is going to be that is being done let's be more specific that is going to be done in finance organizations so if you think about it a lot of the work you know the repetitive tasks or tasks that are basically defined or based on a set of rules that have parameters that have you know patterns that is what is going to get transformed with ai right so versus having a person try and see see through you know mounds and mounds of data and identifying patterns manually or making decisions based on that pattern ai is going to come in in the form of software in the form of you know machine learning and really do that from my perspective anything related to predictive analytics today that is there in the industry is really that first step in ai right you are basically letting a machine identify a pattern letting a machine take on your rep- repetitive task but more importantly letting that piece of software or machine make that decision for you so that's where i see the trend going um, you know and i think it's soon I, i don't believe it's 10 years out i think it is you know in my mind 2 to 5 years out Well, that's certainly coming fast. We'll save that for our predictions at the end. I think we just started the predictions round a little bit early. Thank you, Karuna. Sam, I'm going to let you wrap this one up before I move to some comments from John Essig on the panel. Sam, anything you want to say about John, his mild disagreement with some of your terminology and Karuna's comments as well? No, I think, uh, I mean, if you think about it, all, all three of us, are agreeing in the direction where where technology is heading and the impacts on finance i mean a lot of yeah, i agree i mean there's there's so many terms out there and uh, and terms could differ from one to the other but if we all just think about artificial intelligence and in the technologies related to ai and its impact on the world of finance i i think uh, i think the message is very clear the technology is evolving rapidly at times i would say faster than than what someone would have imagined it has a profound impact on uh, on the day to day lives and uh, in a way i really like what john said the barriers to entry in finance are are getting less and less they're being removed you know no longer i need to be an accountant to to be in uh, to be in the finance department right uh, so great great discussion from uh, from both the panelists. I agree and you started it. So you got to get some credit in here too. That's why we love our round table. Thank you very much Sam and let's move to John. John, we're talking about workers, their roles, their income, their lifestyles. We're talking about the mindset, the impact on whether finance is ready to change. They have to change. Back to the Zuckerberg quote, the only strategy that will fail is not taking risks. So let's talk about how can workers and how can companies help their workers in finance in particular, John, ensure their roles or income, their lifestyles are maintainable, let's say 2 to 5 years down the road, not even looking at 10 to 15 years and what employers can do, the strategy. So I'm not really asking a question i'm just paraphrasing your notes john essig tell us more please yeah sure so 
Thanks, Bonnie. And and mm-hmm. I I do uh, I do agree with Sam on uh, on concepts with there with AI. I'm just not ready to call it AI until uh, <laughs> they can think and, and breathe and talk like us. <laughs> just more semantics, probably. There but, you uh, go. But yeah, for for your point here, Bonnie. Um, you know, employees looking two to five years out from now. Um, you know, it can be a little scary with all the changes coming down the pipeline. Um, but on the flip side from that, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and people who are adaptable and able to change are going to, again, be able to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, you know, I think specifically this is probably a little easier for younger millennials to adapt and change um, and pick up new technologies. It's maybe a little harder for those of us in the workforce for 15, 20 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. but I think at the core of it is, you know, if you are able to invest in your core competencies, focus on processes and actually a little less on technology, right? You need to get up to speed on the new technology, but to keep your skill set strong, it's those core processes, core values, um, that are going to make you marketable to, to any company that's out there. So if you think about, you know, when I got out of school, um, you know, if you didn't go into audit, if you're in accounting, maybe you went into a staff accounting job, um, and you might, you know, you might stay there for five years and rotate. Some people mm-hmm. stay there for 15, 20 years. Um, I think that's going to go away. So I guess part of my point here is that each of us as individuals needs to be much better well-rounded um, because these menial tasks, you know, are getting replaced, and we've seen that you know, year in and year out. So being well-rounded, having more of a process focus, being adaptable to change and able to pick up a new technology. Um, so, again, really focusing on, on those core competencies, developing much more well-rounded individuals. Um, and you can worry a little less, I think, about the technology when you're strong in those areas, right, because then you're actually better able to pick up the new technology and apply it to the business, apply it to the processes. Thank you, John. Let's get the M word in here before I get Karina, Karuna and uh, Sam to join you. Millennials, better poised than other generational cohorts to cope with all this. They cut their teeth on disruptive technology. They grew up with it, even the leading edge millennials who are now in their early 30s, OMG. Uh, any comments on that age group, John? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think that that age group gets a, a little bit of a, a bad rap. And I think technically, you know, I'm 33, so I may qualify in that age group, <laughs> although I do not look at myself in, the, in that age group at all. You know, younger millennials, I think, are of a totally different mindset. And like I said, they do get a little bit of a bad rap from jumping from one thing to the next, having a short attention span, maybe not being as, as, as driven. Um, but they tend to be highly adaptable. And I think you know, this concept of complosion is just, to them, probably the, the way the world works. Now, I know I've heard um, one millennial when I was talking to him earlier this week laugh about this, <laughs> right? That, you know, to others may be a, a, a scarier concept. I saw a, a group of 50-plus uh, AICPA members do a 10-part <laughs> series on complosion, sitting there worrying about it. So it's just, you know, I think they're much better capable of adapting to change. 
Uh, and one of the comments that was made to me is, is those millennials that also have the drive and the vision and the core competencies um, can be amazing. Uh, you know, adapt very quick and capitalize on, on opportunities. So, you know, I think for the rest of us, though, again, fo- continue to focus on those core competencies and maybe be a little bit more willing to change, right, um, because it's coming down the pipeline. There's a lot Agile. of new disruptive technology. There you go. Agile, ability to be flexible, adapt, adopt, all those good words. Thank you, John. Karuna, talk to us. Anything about the, the demographic cohorts in the workplace, specifically in the finance team, the finance department, the CFO, and staff in terms of flexibility and what's coming down the pike with all these disruptive technologies? Yeah. Sure. So I think millennials, uh, you know, they play an interesting role in this. I think in some sense they are forcing a lot of finance and organizations to really keep up with technology. And part of the reason for doing that is to make sure we attract the right talent, right? Millennials mm-hmm. coming out are highly motivated. So I think that's the big difference. They are highly motivated by the philosophy of the company and the type of, you know, working or the type of knowledge working that is happening within the company. And so I think that is, in my mind, the immediate role that they play is the for- they, they act as a forcing function. Um, while having said that, I think there is, I think there are challenges as well. Uh, you know, they come back, uh, they come out of, you know, universities or, you know, they come out of grad schools and while they're very adept in technologies, I think they sometimes tend to lack, um, you know, the experience that goes into finance, which is actually, if you think about it, a very traditional function. You know, finance has been around for, for centuries in different forms. And while we are evolving the way we think, we think we, the things we do, at the core of it, right, it's, it's very simple. It, it is money management, whether at a personal level or at an organization level. So the risk mm-hmm. I see is kind of blending the two, right, blending the basic science of finance uh, with the technology that is coming into it. And, and that balancing is not just from a millennial's perspective, that balancing also is at a CFO's perspective, you know, who's probably has 30 years of experience, right? Learning to extract the benefit out of that technology uh, from a millennial's perspective, yeah, you know the technology, but really extracting that value of experience of the science of finance. And that's where I think the, the interesting challenge is going to be. At the end of the day, it's debits and credits, right? I, no matter what right. technology I, be, I bring in, that's not going to change. Um, so you. I think that's, to me, that is going to be the interesting um, change, and I, and, I'm, and I really can't predict whether it's going to be simple or not, but, you know, we have to be open uh, to accepting that. Thank you, Karuna. Very thoughtful answer and some really good uh, getting down to the, the nuts and bolts and the nitty-gritty of what finance is really all about. Let's get Sam Parika Deloitte Consulting in on this. Sam, thoughts? Sure. I, th- I think the workplace dynamics are changing. And I agree with both Karuna and John. It, it is it is different. It's different than what was even like five years ago. Right? The entrant of new workforce and the introduction of these new advanced technologies, um, all all of them are impacting the in today's workforce, right? And it, and it is in, in certain segments of the workforce. It is it is causing a concern about the future. What does the future look like? Previously, where you joined a company and, uh, you know, sitting down and planning for next five years, then the promotion, and then another five years, and so 
so on and so forth. But that notion is quickly eroding, right? Uh, for a variety of reasons. For for the reason of this, you know, a lot of tasks are being automated, a uh, lot of new technologies coming in, and there are a lot of people who want to be a non-permanent employee. They just mm-hmm. want to come in, provide the expertise, and move on, which essentially makes the idea of having a large full-time workforce uh, sort of obsolete. Right? And, and all these things can concern a workforce. Where where I go with, with this whole notion is, uh, and I, I go to Deloitte University to, to teach our new managers and new consultants and, and so on and so forth. And the energy I see coming from this group is it's just amazing. The ideas I see are sometimes, you know, uh, uh, sort of like uh, really bright new ideas. What I would say for the workforce is, I agree with John, that they have to be adaptable, they have to be all-rounded. Two things I would add is anything that today's workforce do, they need to be deep. Right? Because with the knowledge economy that we have, we have to assume that any new person coming in the workforce would have the basic knowledge about the area, whether that be finance or supply chain or HR, and, and an ability to dig more as the questions arise. So as, a, as an employee or even as a CFO, I have to make sure that all my people have deep knowledge or deep subject matter expertise in the area. And number two, everyone needs to strive to stay relevant. How can I stay relevant in today's economy? How do I stay relevant with the today's advancement and take a step further to to go forward? You know, so I think that's that's a challenge for the workforce. A um, lot of companies are gearing up for it, uh, and and I think that that trend will just continue. Thank you very much, John Essig. Anything you want to wrap up on this quickly? Because I have something very, very exciting from Karuna. I want to make sure we get in before we go to our predictions in about three minutes. Anything you want to say, John? All right. Awesome. I I do uh, agree, especially with the the latter part of of Sam's commentary here. Um, And Karuna hit on a little bit, too. But I think as employers, as CFOs, as directors as well, um, that workforce is changing. Um, job tenure is shortening, um, and we have to focus on people that do have that subject matter expertise, that do have that process knowledge, um, but yet are adaptable. And we've got to invest in them. You know, if if you look at uh, what companies are doing now to retain people past a two, three, four year time frame, you know, tech companies on the West Coast, what do they do? They give equity out, right? Mm-hmm. So much more than just the C level team. Um, because people do like that lifestyle, right? So like Karuna said too, you've got to get workers bought in on the vision. Um, you've got to invest in them, uh, in their process area knowledge, focus on the right people that really have competencies, and the technology will come. They'll be able to adapt to that. Um, you know, and one other thing, another company that, that comes to mind that does this well is GE. You know, they have... Mm-hmm. Um, pretty well-established and successful rotation programs that really invest in moving their, their people from functional area to functional area um, so that they get the, the value out of their team, which has enabled GE to be extremely flex- flexible. Um, so I think with this new workforce, again, we've kind of kind of look at the way we invest in our people a little differently and look at the way we compensate them a little differently as well. 
Thank you, John. All good points. I hope employers, I hope the CHRO is listening to all of this as well as the CFO. Speaking of the CFO, I, I have a warning across the bow here, a shot that we're going to fire from Karuna Mukherjee at SAP. And she says, put on your headset, Mr. or Ms. CFO. Virtual reality is not just for gamers. Take a journey through the virtual experiences that will make finance more exciting. Karuna, since we're already in the crystal ball predictions round, why don't we get your prediction first on the panel? instead of going back to Sam and John first. Why don't we get your prediction? I can give you actually about a minute and a half, and let's focus on virtual reality, CFOs, and gamers, and finance. So, Karuna, are you willing to do that? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. All right. So, you know, when we think virtual reality, right, at the end of the day, what is it, right? It's about that experience. It's about giving the user the ability to really immerse themselves in very rich, lifelike experiences, right? So that is what virtual reality is all about. Mm -hmm. If you take it from the viewpoint of finance, there are two or three key things in my mind, which is where the real impact is going to be. Finance, you know, CFOs, anybody, a financial analyst, they are all about looking at numbers, identifying patterns, understanding the data, making decisions, taking risks, right? VR in data visualization is where the, the real gem is. It's going to give us, it's going to give the CFOs, it's going to give the finance people the ability to simultaneously consume uh, data like they are not able to do today, right? Today we are consuming data in a very 2D format. You look at a basic spreadsheet, you look at a basic dashboard. You put this in VR, right? Just think about it. You put this data in VR, and you're no longer looking like at a single panel of data, but you're looking at that entire pattern in one visual uh, experience. You're able to look at, and it's, it's kind of it's the data surrounds you, and the power that can give you, in my mind, is is is, uh, is amazing, right? It gives you the ability to not just look at your sales data in, in a single view, but also look at your sales, look at your product data, look at your supply chain data, look at your, uh, you know, profit center data, but all that can really come together. And the only way to bring it together is to basically consume that data in a 3D format or in VR. And that is, in my mind, that is where the value is going to be. And that right? we is have, exciting. We have seen people, yep. you know, we have, as I said, in, at Sapphire, we, had, we were running some scenarios with, with the VR headsets, and the experience is just amazing. Right. I mean, of course, it, we know what happens in gaming, but now look at like your financial dashboards in VR. And they are like pretty, pretty awesome. Well, thank you, Karuna. And we're, we have a pretty awesome 90 and we have 120 seconds left till we have to close the show. And I want to make sure we get your awesome co-panelists in here for predictions. Thank you, Karuna. I love that. I think we need to do part three and talk about gaming and VR and finance. <laughs> and I'm going to invite you back. So don't say no. OK, uh, let's go back to Sam Parika Deloitte. Sam? Predictions I can give you, oh, I can give you just 60 seconds barely. Make it fast. Go ahead, Sam. Quick prediction. I think the way we used to see the Star Trek Enterprise in Star Wars, where the Captain Kirk is standing in front and every all the terminals around him and making decisions based on the data flying in, I think that's reality. He no longer will be sitting down. Um, and uh, and making the decision based on the information that's that's old, maybe like two days old, right? But the finance department will be geared up to provide the analytics insights into the business world and help 
craft strategy for the company uh, in the coming future using all the tools and all the technologies that's coming available to them, including the VR and the artificial intelligence. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciate that. I think we have part three here. I think we just wrote the script for part three. John Essig at Simplify. We're tweeting at Simplify News for you. A lot of interesting tweets, and you're welcome to have your San Pellegrino orange after the show. But right now, I need a tight 60 (laughs) seconds of predictions. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen in the last couple of years has, has been really interesting with the adoption of cloud. Uh, with finance starting to adopt technologies like predictive, uh, and with these cloud solutions bringing all this functionality together on, on one platform, we're going to continue to see that adoption. You know, the majority of finance organizations today are now talking about cloud, especially small market, uh, small enterprise companies, mid-enterprise companies. Large enterprise companies are a little uh, slower to adopt, but I think the adoption of predictive technologies, cloud, planning, you know, financial planning, combining all that together um, is going to be high in the next, you know, five years. I think we're going to see some new innovations with augmented reality and virtual reality, which are really cool. Um, Complete, fully blown AI, maybe that's 10, 20 years out, but that's probably more of a semantics thing again. But, but yeah, I think the the adoption is, um, you know, really, really picking up. This is becoming part of you know, regular conversations now with uh, with all of clients. So, Thank you very much. Sam Perica, Deloitte Consulting, such a pleasure. John Essig, always a pleasure. I didn't know you were a millennial. We're just going to make you our honorary finance millennial, <laughs> and it's going to stick whether you like it or not. You just are, you became a year younger. You're 32. That's what we're going to make the edge there. Karuna Mukherjee, such a pleasure. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This has been a very interesting conversation. Who knew we would be using such sexy words as templosion and virtual reality and AI, artificial intelligence and disruptive technologies in the same paragraph with the concept of finance? Well, you heard it here first. I am inviting the stellar panel back for part three because I think we have so much more. Karuna, templosion part three. You want to write me a little abstract? Okay. I will do that. (laughs) Wonderful. We're family now. So a shout out to all of you and uh, to Chris Grundy at the Financial Excellence Team for bringing the three of you together for a show recently. And and Lee May Situ and all the wonderful people over there. Shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team. Karen Geraldo. We have somebody named Charles Favreau in Switzerland was tweeting. And also Ryan, Ryan Treasure at Voice America World Talk Radio was tweeting. So we had a Twitter party today. Whatever you're doing, here's my call to action and take it seriously now. I don't care what profession, what industry you're in, where you are, what you're drinking, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow on the future of business with game changers. And we'll be also back with Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, our newest series. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.